It's Memorial Day today, which any other year could mean heading to the movies to kick off the summer blockbuster season. But the pandemic has upended that entire experience. Many of us haven't been to the movies since last year, when lockdown orders shuttered theaters around the world. So, as more people get vaccinated and businesses slowly open back up, where does the big screen stand now? And what's the future of movies going to look like? I'm Abrar Elhiti, and this is your Daily Charge. I'm filling in for Roger today, who's taking the day off. In fact, we're all taking the day off, so we've recorded this a little early. I'm thrilled to be joined by Joan Salzman, CNET's tech and media reporter. Welcome, Joan. Thank you. It's great to be here. Joan, for anyone who lives in an area where theaters are opening up again, are there actually any big movies out this weekend? Yeah, there's not one, but two movies in theaters, two big blockbuster-style tentpole movies. There's going to be... um both of which were delayed multiple times. Um, Cruella from Disney. It's one of their like live action remakes. Um, this one of 101 Dalmatians, that's going to be out. And then also the sequel to A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place Part 2 is going to be in theaters as well. So if people are interested in going to the movies during this holiday weekend, they actually have things to choose from. Are there signs that people are actually excited to go back to cinemas again? Yeah, we're starting to see some encouraging signs, especially, you know, in the U.S. as vaccinations have ramped up. We've started to see the box office show some signs of life. So I think the biggest hint that people were feeling comfortable and excited about going back to theaters was over the Easter weekend when Godzilla vs. Kong came out. You know, overall that weekend, the box office, the U.S. box office did about $500 million. That's like still half what it did two years ago before the pandemic when it was just a normal Easter weekend. But it was still a really surprising result for this movie, especially when you consider that Godzilla vs. Kong was also available to stream the same at the exact same time. It came out the same day as theaters on HBO Max, so long as you had a subscription to it. So I think like I think that's really started to show that at least for movies where like one of these tentpole movies with special effects that, you know, going to the theater and seeing it in a darkened cinema with all the sound and the audience, the, people are showing signs that they're really interested to get back to that feeling. Yeah, I think uh, I can I can attest to the fact that it would be nice to get back. There's something just completely different about seeing a movie in theaters. Um, but the pandemic has completely upended how movies get released. As you mentioned, you know, streaming platforms have been a really big deal. A lot of big big films over the past year have debuted on HBO Max or Netflix or Disney Plus. So how do studios feel about continuing to release blockbusters on these services even after the pandemic? Well, one thing that seems like it's going to be pretty certain is that this year is going to be the last time, at least for the foreseeable future, that we're going to get these sort of same day theaters and streaming options. It's not exactly clear what this so-called theatrical window is going to look like. Um, in the past, like before the pandemic, the theatrical window, which means basically just that any new theatrical movie is that. It's a theatrical movie and it would only be in theaters for at least 75 days, if not longer. Um, we don't know exactly how long the window is going to be, but it does look like there is going to be one and it's probably going to be about 45 days at least before a movie that comes out. Once, you know, things do get back to new normal, it's going to be about a month and a half before a movie goes to, not even to streaming, just goes to like the next thing in its windowing, which is usually like Blu-ray, DVD, online rentals, and then maybe down the road, streaming comes after. There's probably going to be 
a lot more flexibility. And 45 days is a lot shorter than 75 days, like it was before the pandemic. But I think that, you know, studios, especially ones, I mean, all of them, they're putting lots and lots and lots of money into making these big temple films and also marketing them. And there's really no way to make that back if you make these movies available in theaters and on streaming services and as an on, even like as a like a premium online rental at the same time. You really need to have that kind of blockbuster box office result to make good on the business model that they have now. So maybe the business model changes. I don't know as we see things shape up, but that's definitely what we're going to be seeing for sure. It's also interesting to think about what conditions need to be met to get more people to to go to the theater. So from an audience perspective, will more people be inclined to skip going to the theater and just wait and watch a movie from home? Or does it seem like people really are eager to get out of the house again after spending a year or more indoors and enjoy some buttery popcorn and overpriced candy again? Well, I think definitely there are people that have an appetite for going to the movies. And we're starting to like with Godzilla versus Kong's reception. I think we're starting to see that. Um, but I think, you know, the calculus that every consumer does is going to be a little bit different depending on what options they have. You know, for for families, for example, if, you know, just, just you know, hypothetical, let's say Disney decides that all of its big like Marvel and like live action tentpole films do get a theatrical window, but maybe some of their like smaller family focused movies get released on Disney Plus for a, you know, additional fee. It's possible that that makes a lot more sense for a family, you know, like a family of four, you know, two parents, maybe two kids, two or three kids. Going to the movies is going to cost way more than just paying whatever Disney wants you to. And it's also like, as a parent myself, it's a lot easier to just get my kids in front of the couch and not have to worry about them like peeing in the seats or running down the aisles or, you know, like that would be my calculus as a parent. And so I think that we're just going to see, we're going to see what circumstances consumers have to choose from before we know exactly whether or not, you know, like is our movie, is the movie theater experience dead? I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it is going to be different. Well, that's what's so interesting is that people have kind of long forecasted the death of the movie theater, especially with the rise of on-demand video and streaming services. So, you know, has the pandemic at all reshaped people's thinking about this or has it confirmed this belief that someday in the near future cinemas will soon be obsolete given all the benefits of watching from home? Yeah, I don't think that movie theaters are going to completely go away. I don't think they're going to be obsolete. And I think that's because, you know, everybody likes them, but not everybody likes to go to them every single weekend. And I think that we're going to see the landscape of movie theaters, at least in this country, it's going to change. I think there's just going to be fewer of them. I think it's possible that people are going to be more judicious about which movies they decide to go out to the theater to see versus which ones they just stay at home or find something else to do. Um, you know, people love going to the movies. And I love going to movies like, you know, the buttery popcorn, the dark theater, seeing a comedy in a theater full of people is so much different than seeing it at home. Seeing a horror movie in a theater full of people is so much different than seeing it at home. And people, I think, are always going to want that. But I don't, I don't think that, you know, the landscape of theaters can really support the level of saturation that we have right now, given that people are just kind of going to have more options. And you're already seeing, you know, like Alamo Drafthouse 
filed for bankruptcy protection during the pandemic. Um, we haven't seen any of the major theater change file for bankruptcy or anything like that, but they're really stressed right now. And so we may see a period of constriction where theaters close, others, you know, maybe even theater change shut down. Um, and I think that's going to be reflected in the fact that people just have more, cho- are going to have more choices. And so the saturation level of theaters in this country maybe isn't sustainable anymore. Yeah, that'll be interesting to to watch. Something else that we saw happen during the pandemic was changes to filming and production protocols with COVID and, um, you know, availability, release schedules, all that stuff, even even things like audio description becoming more available on streaming platforms, which is really helpful to people um, with disabilities. What other kinds of, you know, which what long-term changes to the film and cinema industry do you think we'll see that were inspired by the, by the pandemic? Are any of these changes going to have staying power? Are we going to see these major shifts kind of roll out uh, and continue beyond the pandemic? On the production side, I think that, you know, one of the lessons learned from the pandemic on in terms of filmmaking is that, you know, for some films like animation, it, you can totally make it without having an office where everybody works together. Like Ryan, the Last Dragon was Disney's movie that came out earlier this year. I think it was almost not entirely made in lockdown, but substantially made in lockdown. Um and then, you know, on the on the viewership side, you know, I actually looked in as movies, as, as there was this kind of like flood of movies that were coming out either to rent or to just stream with a subscription same day as when they were released. I started looking into, you know, does this make movies more accessible for, for people? And certainly for people maybe with mobile disabilities, um, physical disabilities, it, it might be simpler to then get into a theater. But what I found is that at least for people who are blind or low vision, those are people who rely on um, audio descriptions to enjoy a movie, which is basically an alternate track that lets you hear sound effects, dialogue, and um, score. But there's um, in between the moments where people are talking, there's sort of a narrator that describes what's happening on the screen for people who can't see it. Um, and what I found talking to a lot of people is that the accessibility of movies for if you're blind or low vision, it's not any better if the movie is available to watch at home online than it is in a theater. Like going to a theater is still not a great experience because often staff doesn't have the, you need a special device in order to access the alternate track to to hear the auto description and those things, the batteries are dead or the staff doesn't know how to work them and blah, 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 blah. But audio descriptions aren't routinely available for brand new movies. Disney is one company that's been very assertive in making them available, especially on Disney Plus. Um, pretty much every movie that comes out on Disney Plus has an audio description on it. But other companies are not as reliable. And so for for viewers, accessibility at home might feel like it helps people who have disabilities um, enjoy pop culture and see movies that are brand new, but it might not always be that simple. Hopefully that's something that, that changes soon. Um, And, you know, kind of looking forward, as more people get vaccinated and we see, quote unquote, normal life slowly coming back, um, what will next Memorial Day weekend look like at the movies? Do we have any idea about the shape of movie going in the future? Yeah, well, we know that next Memorial Day weekend, any tentpole film that comes out is probably going to only be in theaters. It's not going to be like this weekend where you have the choice of either 
going to see Cruella in a theater or watching it at home. Um, but on top of that, for the next year, two years, movies are going to be stacked on top of each other. You know, we've had a, a longer than a year period where, especially for the kind of tentpole, big budget movies that would be released on or around Memorial Day, every studio has been holding that back. You know, they don't want to put, they, none of them wanted to put out any of those movies during the pandemic and they didn't. And so what we're seeing now is that all these studios just have so many movies and there's only so many weekends to release them. So you know, next Memorial Day, we already know that there's going to be at least three tentpole movies coming out. I think um, there's going to be John Wick 4. And these are franchise movies that are popular. John Wick 4 is slated to come out Memorial Day weekend um, next year. Also, um, there's going to be Mission Impossible 7, and also Disney's going to have a live action movie coming out. They haven't decided, they haven't stated which one it is, but it's probably going to be the new Little Mermaid, live action Little Mermaid reboot. Um, it's, un it's not unheard of to have three gigantic tentpole films come out the same holiday weekend over Memorial Day, but it's definitely an outlier because studios don't want to make people choose between their giant tentpole movie and somebody else's giant tentpole movie. And so it's going to be a difficult way to assess people's interest in going to the movies if their if their kind of alliances are being divided between going to see three movies instead of only going to see one or two. Yeah, I guess we'll all be ready to finally have something to do at the theaters for once and get out of the house. You'll have lots of choice. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a nice change. Joan, thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from Roger by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Abrar El Hiti. Thanks for listening. <laughs>